Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. For me, it was the right fit against the New York Giants. Like, this is, this is the New York Giants. If you don't like it, then you're welcome to leave. But that's the way that we do things around here. Man, I'm so blessed. It's crazy. I've been manifesting New York. I kind of had a feeling it was going to be New York, but now that we're here, man, God is good. Once a giant, always a giant. For me, it's only a giant. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of All In with Art Stapleton, the New York Giants podcast brought to you by the USA Today Network. I'm your host, Art Stapleton, and we are 24 hours away from the NFL Draft 2023 edition. Uh, On today's show, Travis May, lead college football analyst for Mojo. We will break down what the Giants should expect at 25. He'll give you all the details and an interesting perspective on the cornerbacks, the wide receivers, and maybe a couple surprise guys uh, to consider at 25. I throw the names at him, and he'll give you the takedown. Everybody that we talked about, great information. Uh, and I wanted to give you a little different perspective, a little different voice uh, the day before the draft. So I went with Travis. He joined me, and he was great. Uh, so I hope you're going to enjoy that interview today. Uh, we went about 30 minutes or so. Uh, and it's the great draft primer that you need for tomorrow. Again, a different voice uh, than what maybe you've been hearing uh, over the course of the last, you know, three months. And I acknowledge the fact that there is a little bit of, you know, everyone's kind of hung over, so to speak, in terms of draft coverage. So with that said, my mock draft for North Jersey subscribers on... Wednesday morning hit, and it's the final Giants only one. So I want to run through it with you on here and give you some of my thoughts and the way things broke out. So number one, at 25, I thought about trying to make some trades. I think there's a chance that Joe Shane will be aggressive uh, and try to move up a little bit. And you know what? Before we dive into that, I want to make sure that uh, you remember... Tomorrow night, Thursday night, 7 o'clock, we'll be inside the Giants Coaches Club at MetLife Stadium doing our live draft show. It'll be from 7 to around 7.45, so then I can get over to the Giants facility and actually cover the draft. The Giants likely won't be picking until the 11 o'clock hour, maybe a little bit before, unless they make a big deal. Uh, And I will have John Schmelk, uh, host of the Giants Huddle podcast and Mr. Draft for the Giants.com crew. Uh, John will join me, get you all the latest information going right up until draft time, where the Giants are at, who we like, who John likes. Uh, and then I'll have your fan questions from some on site. And then if we have time off site uh, on Twitter or via social media. So send me your questions now if you're listening. Uh, Sam Prince, uh, Giants fan, 
gained a lot of notoriety last year when he was on stage introducing Kayvon Thibodeau. Uh, Sam uh, was there for his wish, for Make-A-Wish. So I think um, you guys will really enjoy Sam. He's been on the podcast before. Uh, He's very knowledgeable about the Giants. So I think Sam and I, if he's up for it, We'll be both taking your questions in terms of where the Giants are at. You'll get a beat reporter's perspective, podcast host perspective, and then Sam will give you a fan's perspective. But he's also a podcast host. He has his podcast as well. So I think you'll enjoy that. All right, let's get into the mock draft. Number one, I went Deontay Banks, cornerback from Maryland. Uh, I think he's right there behind Devin Witherspoon of Illinois and Christian Gonzalez. Uh, Both in this mock went in the top 12. I think the Giants are on Zay Flowers and Jordan Addison, but both were gone before 25. And this was the first mock that I've done using the simulator simulator that Banks was actually available. And I think it'd be a no-brainer. I think he's underappreciated as far as the, the challenges and the competitive nature that he has. And I think uh, Wink Martindale would like to have him in the fold, play opposite Adoree Jackson, and then uh, maybe even take over as the number one uh, next year. So I went there. Uh, If Banks is there, if Banks is not there, then obviously you have some decisions to make. Uh, I talked to... Travis about a couple guys that I would think slide in there if the wide receivers and the corners are not available. So we'll save that for later in the show. To me, round two, I was going back and forth between Jonathan Mingo, wide receiver from Ole Miss, and Marvin Mims from Oklahoma. I ended up going with Mims. He's got great run after catchability, he four three eight speed, uh, and the explosiveness at the top of his routes. He averaged more than 20 yards per reception, created vertical separation. That's something that the Giants don't necessarily have, uh, the vertical aspect of it that Mims can provide, uh, I think would be a great fit. Visited the Giants on a 30 visit, and I think there's tremendous value. Uh, You might have to move up a little bit to get him in the second round, but I think uh, Travis and I make a good point about Mims later in the show. I think you'll enjoy that. All right, round three. Somewhere along the line, I wanted to get a running back uh, just because I think it's time for the Giants to continue to build out that room. I went with Keandre Miller from TCU, coming back from uh, the knee injury, the MCL that he suffered in the playoffs against Michigan. Giants have spent some time with Keandre Miller. He was on a 30 visit uh, when they were watching Quentin Johnston at Pro Day. Uh, Video caught Brian Dable talking to Miller. Uh, I think the Giants like Miller a lot. Uh, this is not a pick to say that they're bailing on Saquon Barkley. I think they still want Barkley in the fold, obviously. But we don't know how that's going to play out. I bring Miller in as a 1B to Barkley. Uh, yes, Matt Breda is there, and he's still going to get his opportunities. But moving forward, if they decide that they can't pay Barkley what he wants, and that doesn't work out, uh, I think Miller is a guy who can develop into a legit number one running back. Uh, Now I know you're probably looking at the draft saying, well, what's happened to center? You haven't picked any offensive linemen yet. That goes in round four. Ricky Stromberg from Arkansas. I think he's a lot closer to the top of this draft in terms of center 
with John Michael Schmitz from Minnesota, Joe Tipman from Wisconsin. I think Stromberg is tremendous value. Uh, late day two, early day three. So I'll plug him in with the Giants. I do like the fact that his coach, Sam Pittman at Arkansas, was the offensive line coach at Georgia with Andrew Thomas. There's familiarity there. Obviously, Pittman uh, is a very good coach when it comes to the offensive line. Little wrinkle, but again, last year we noticed that the Giants brought in day two slash day three picks on 30 visits. They did some of that this year, I think. Uh, this guy would be included in that. Marte Mapu, linebacker safety, kind of a hybrid from Sacramento State, would be a little bit off the radar. Joe Shane leaned on the Power Five conferences last year. I think his versatility makes him an ideal fit in Martindale's defense. He has good size, 6'3", 215. Uh, and as I said, he was in for a 30 visit, so obviously the Giants are interested in him. Uh, where he falls, we'll see if he's there enough. Uh, it's Miller time for the second time. I went with Ventro Miller in round five, the second uh, fifth round pick at 172 overall. Ventro Miller is recovering from a Jones fracture. He garnered pre-draft interest with the Giants. I know he's done some virtual visits. They've obviously been down at Florida a lot. They've seen him. Uh, I think he's one of those guys who you take uh, in that early day three and you bring him along slowly and maybe he develops into one of those guys that can be a factor late in the season. Darian Beavers is coming up, coming back from an injury. Michael McFadden, I think, got a lot of defensive reps last year. Maybe he can come along a little bit slower this year, play more special teams. I think Miller is kind of that guy who can be a special teams contributor and really be a valuable player of the defense as he grows into that. So I go with Miller there. Another guy was in for a 30 visit. Round six, the 209th pick, Broderick Martin, defensive tackle from Western Kentucky. The signing of Alshon Robinson the other day is a great move for the Giants. They could bring along their uh, young developmental defensive linemen uh, a lot more gradually than maybe what they would have liked last year. They like Ryder Anderson as an undrafted free agent last year. Signed him out of minicamp, uh, and uh, he was a tryout. You know, I think they like DJ Davidson, but he's coming back from an injury, so you got to see how he develops. Uh, I like Martin here, uh, great value, uh, and really can add to that defensive line and not really feel the pressure of having to contribute right away. Uh, into the seventh round, these are always a crapshoot. You'd love to unload the, some of the seventh rounders, uh, but they're not going to give you much capital moving forward for that. Uh, I like Brandon Hill, safety from Pittsburgh. Giants have done some work on him. I think he's one of those guys who can take an opportunity. He's a big hitter. I think he could play in sub packages and another special teams guy uh, who can really make a, an effort early on uh, to get on the field. That would be his path to the game day roster uh, if he can get there. Uh, I went with an interior lineman with pick number 243, Sidey Sow, uh, guard, Eastern Michigan. It's got good size. Uh, Giants like these developmental interior linemen. Some of those guys are going to have to step up this year, uh, but I do think that Sow is a, is a very intriguing pick in this spot. Then... Rounding out 
the draft for the Giants, my mock draft, is a familiar name for college football fans. Sean Clifford, quarterback, Penn State. You know, look, I think the Giants want to bring in a, a developmental quarterback. I think you have the coaching staff in place that you'd be wasting your time not bringing in someone to take advantage uh, they had Clifford in on their local pro day visit. Clifford's made the rounds. He was at the Eagles pro day, the Jets pro day, and a bunch of other ones that didn't qualify as a local visit. So counted against those 30. Uh, I like Clifford's game. Uh, I certainly don't envision him as the future at quarterback, but the Giants aren't looking for their future starting quarterback. They're looking for somebody who can complement the quarterback room uh, and, you know, Get Shea Tierney and Mike Kafka and Brian Dable to work on a young quarterback, uh, and we'll see. Christian Dable, who is Brian Dable's son, he's here as an as an offensive assistant this year. He obviously was at Penn State, so very familiar with Sean Clifford. Brian Dable is obviously familiar with Clifford. He spent a lot of time at Penn State uh, rooting on his son, but he certainly has some connections there, uh, so I like Clifford there. So that's my mock draft. Please check it out. More analysis. Go click on it. Uh, Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. uh, And you'll help me out and keep this show going uh, for as best as we can. So up next, as I mentioned, here's my interview with Travis May of Mojo. All right. Joining me now is the lead college football analyst for Mojo, Travis May. Travis, thanks for joining me on All In. You know, it's pretty crazy because everybody has their own take. And I I think, you know, from what, you know, I understand from following you on Twitter and stuff, you take a somewhat different approach. I mean, I think it's great to kind of take all different opinions. Uh, You obviously know these guys from from being a lead analyst for college football. Tell me before we dive in, what's your approach to the draft? How do you assess guys uh and you know how does it go beyond just the simple hey i'm I'm breaking down film i'm seeing these guys and and where they fall yeah i mean film analysis is definitely a a big part of it but uh, i think you have to marry that in this day and age with some sort of analytical approach uh database approach as well and so if you marry those two together and then look at each one of these prospects for who they are how they can fit where they can fit and then on top of that, where they came from to get to where they are now. You, uh, I mean, like uh, all the way back as as recruits. I mean, a lot, a lot of these guys are. I'm following them, you know, just because I'm one of those guys that lives in the lead of recruiting since they were 16 years old. So understanding, you know, how they've developed, how they've changed, how they've maybe changed positions. I think it all fits together and tells tells a better story than than just the film uh, analysis by itself. All right, so let's dig in. Giants sitting at 25. You know, we all think you know, wide receiver or a cornerback in this draft. But I think there may be a couple wrinkles uh, just in terms of, you know, that whole, you know, cliche of best player available. But I I really do think that this front office led by Joe Shane will look, like you said, to analytics, but also positional value. And I I don't anticipate them 
uh, you know, forcing a position. I think they will just take the guy that's at the top of their board. I know it's a novel concept, but uh, where do you see 25 breaking out? And is there a pressure point in this first first round that you think uh, becomes that drop off uh, for value, you know, in 2023? Uh, I think uh, based on just that you can really scrape off the internet (laughs) in terms of research, you'll find that this draft is about 19 surefire uh, first-round picks deep. And then uh, those, you know, next three wide receivers are coming off the board somewhere, you know, in the 19 to 25-ish range. And so hopefully if you guys are indeed wanting a wide receiver at 25, that uh, you can get that, you know, more uh, prototypical X-type, a larger wide receiver that you guys tried to get before, but, you know, perhaps like Quentin Johnson would fall to uh, 25 out of about TCU. Um, but right. he, Zay Flowers, Jordan Addison, it, it seems that at least one of those three will be available. Although there are several teams just ahead of the Giants who might uh, like to get one of those for sure. So it, it, it's an interesting spot because there's four corners that are all uh, right now going inside the top 20. And five, you know, four, well, actually four wide receivers as well going into the top 25. So could miss on both positions if uh, they're not careful. You know, it, it, when I look at that, let, let's talk the corners first. You know what? Let's talk the where I think the spot is. And like you mentioned, the, the Giants have some teams ahead of them. Uh, I think the Chargers at 21. I think the Ravens at 22. And I think the Vikings at 23 for sure. Uh, are three teams that could be looking at either wide receiver or cornerback. So that kind of, to me, that puts your antenna up a little bit and says if the Giants really have a true distinction as far as the players on their board, uh, they might try to get ahead of all three of those. But obviously that always comes with a price. For for you, uh, take me through cornerbacks first. You mentioned four. What's your order? I mean, I, I don't think Devin Witherspoon uh, or Christian Gonzalez are anywhere near uh, 25. Uh, something crazy would have to happen on draft night. How do you see the falling after that? Yeah, once you get out to that range, yeah, Christian Gonzalez is my cornerback one, Devin Witherspoon is two, and they're both very likely to go into the top 15, if not the top 10 Yeah, the draft. So Joey Porter Jr. Uh, comes off the board for me at three. I mean, that, that would be uh, my cornerback three in the class out of Penn State. And then Deontay Banks has been all over the place in terms of where he's gone mock draft wise, uh, ranging from you know inside the top fifteen uh, all the way to outside the first round, um, and so that might be the best play in terms of the highest likelihood of him actually making it uh, to you all. And I actually like the fit. I like his versatility. Um, he's not necessarily always an outside corner, which uh, you guys may prefer uh, to uh, you know a more versatile kind of uh, plug and play option due to other positions. But Deontay Banks. Uh, is athletic um, and can do so many things well. He would be the guy that I might say would be the best value at, at pick 25 if he actually makes it that far. Um, and uh, perhaps uh, the right pick for you guys as, as, as a team in general. So that would be who I would want. But if, if you do miss on those top four, uh, I do like the just un- unreal athletic upside of Keely Ringi, uh, sorry, Keely Ringo, rather. Yep. I mean, I, I just think back to the national championship from two years ago when he basically sealed the deal for Georgia. And, um, you know, he's been a big deal at dating back to, you know, he was like 16, 17, and, you know, five-star, four-star, you know, friends-type elite athlete for so long. And then he verifies that at the combine. Um, 
some people might think it's a slight reach at 25, but if you can't make that trade up and you really need that corner, uh, Ringo is just a guy who can, you know, make up uh, for, you know, any technical mistakes with just his unreal athleticism. You know, I, I think you nailed it with Banks. I, I had my, my final Giants-only mock, and it was the first time in, you know, since the Combine in doing all these mock drafts and using sim- simulators and stuff that Banks was actually available at 25, and I jumped on it. Uh, I do think he's a good fit in Wink Martindale's defense. Uh, I think the, he presents what he likes. Talk to me a little bit about Joey Porter Jr., because back at the Combine, uh, you know, I was there when he did his media interviews. Uh, I got the sense that, you know, this is a player who's going to be a, you know, a lock top 15 pick. And then the further you get away from the combine, it's almost like, is, is he in a situation where he may not, uh, go as high as possible? What, what is, I mean, you said he's your, your CB3. So obviously you don't see, uh, what maybe some other people are, are complaining about in his game. What what would prevent Porter from being closer to Gonzalez and Witherspoon rather than closer to you know four or five and being a guy who might fall into the twenties? I think a lot of people like uh, his length. They like the fact that he is uh, just a solid cover. I mean, in terms of um, the all the services that do advanced charting processes, like he's a solid cover corner. Like he's just. He doesn't have the ball skills necessarily, though, that a lot of the guys that you might see in the first round um, typically have. Like, he only had one pick in his entire four years at, at Penn State. Right. I guess he had, like, uh, about a pass, uh, a dozen passes, passes the last year, which is good. He had a late uh, kind of uptick in that regard. But even when he gets his hands on the ball, he doesn't, he's not that playmaker that's going to make it a turnover and, and take it back for six, like, uh, you know, an Emmanuel Forbes might do in, in round two, although he's rising up boards as well so um, the people want to take with him it's probably just the ball skills um, but that, that's uh, other than that I, I really really think he should be a top 20 kind of player yeah I mean I agree with you I, I and I know there are a lot of Giants fans who reach out to me on social media who just love the idea when Porter visited the Giants on on one of their 30 visits that is Porter really in contention? Because I think back at the combine, it was almost like, well, they probably have to make a strong move up. And that still may be the case. Um, but do you see a distinct difference between Porter and Banks? Uh, as far as one of those guys is more likely to be, you know, a fit for the Giants? I mean, I know we, we both think Banks is more of a fit per se, just based on the way he plays, but. Um, is a big drop off between Porter and Banks for you, or would you not be really surprised? Is. No, I, I kind of have two tiers uh, there. It's like the, the top two and the three and four, and then after that, I mean, it's kind of uh, there's a variety of different style corner after that. So gotcha. there, there would be more of a drop off to uh, you know the upside of athleticism with Keely Ringo, but the technical questions and the size questions. Uh, the man Emmanuel Forbes, um, but he's got crazy good ball, ball skills, and you know took back a couple pick sixes himself. And so uh, there's there's kind of like a choose your favorite style corner after that. But really, if, if you're going to get either one of those three four options, you're going to be solid. And in your mind, you, you obviously mentioned the versatility of Banks a little bit, maybe playing a little inside uh, if he has to. These are guys that can play on the boundary and not have an issue with it. This isn't one of those. Cause a lot of times you, once you move past those one or two studs, it's guys who are caught in between. Well, they could play inside, but they might be a better fit in the slot. Uh, where do these guys fall? Do you have any questions as far as whether they can hand up, you know, playing opposite 
or Dory Jackson this year for the Giants? If you want that, that outside play, uh, Porter is going to be the guy. It's, it's just going to be a matter of whether they want to probably trade up and have to have to get him because um, he, he had the majority of his slots, uh, uh, not slots, snaps on the outside. So, um, like seventy five percent or more of this past year, we're talking about Joey Porter being a wide outside corner. You know, he's in the box some uh, in, in the slot very sparingly. Uh, so, if you're looking for the versatility, go with Banks. But if you want a guy who can, you know, be opposite on an outside, on an island type situation, Joey Porter's going to be the guy. Gotcha. Well, let, let's flip to the wide receivers because this is obviously where the Giants have sit in. And as far as the public debate goes, uh, we'll see where they fall on on draft night. But from your perspective, how do you have the you know top four or five receivers uh, stacking up in your rankings? I really love Jackson Smith and Jigba, but there's almost no way he's dropping to you guys. He's I would agree. Receiver one, uh, clearly for me, um, having really outproduced Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson while they were both there uh, just uh, two years ago. I know he missed time, but still, uh, he's the one. And then after that, um, I really still like Jordan Madison quite a bit. I know he has the size issues, but uh, dating back to his first days at Pitt, he was just the guy. He came in as like an athlete designation, didn't know if he was going to go play safety or wide receiver, but he was just too good of a playmaker to keep off the field. And from day one was the, the feature of that offense. You know, when the Bletnikoff two years ago transfers and fights through some health issues this last year to still be the most productive player uh, for USC through the air. And so I really like um, his ability. I know some people have some physicality questions with him, but he's still wide receiver two for me. Zay Flowers has uh, worked his way up to, to three for me. He can line up anywhere you want him, uh, but he's not going to be your stereotypical X either, his size. But a uh, really solid player who overcame just absolutely atrocious quarterback yeah. play. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, Quentin Johnson, you know, he's in that four conversation for sure, just because he offers that size. And at his size, ridiculous yakability for a guy like that. Tell me, tell me why I, I'm wrong. I, I can't get into you know. I see the the size of Quentin Johnston, and I, I I like the small guys. I agree with you, JSN, uh, Flowers, and Addison. I mean, to me, any one of the three of those guys in the Brian Dable Mike Kafka offense would be outstanding. I can envision them moving all over the field and making plays, whether it's inside, outside. And I also agree with you that. You know, JSN, unless the Giants trade up and make a mega move, uh, he's not even going to be in the conversation. But with Johnston, you know, I've, I've watched him, even watching him uh, on, you know, video from his pro day, he doesn't look smooth enough. And I, I don't know about his route tree in this offense. Am I being too picky when it comes to Johnston or is he, is he a little bit more of a project? And the size just, you know, the prototypical size puts him on a radar, uh, maybe more so than the, the smaller guys, if you're looking at that. Uh, t- tell me why I'm wrong and why he'd be a good fit at 25 if the Giants have a chance to get him. Yeah, I, I like the fit uh, just mainly due to the size because you don't have that, that guy that uh, a lot of people would expect uh, in that class to be like that just big body dominant force but what's funny about Johnson is he doesn't even have a really good contested catch rate either so uh, he doesn't play as big as he is despite having like a 40 inch vertical and all the athletic traits you want uh, he lets it get to his body quite a bit so if there's questions with that I, I might wait actually on wide receiver because you guys have picks in the mid rounds uh, and there are players like Cedric Tillman out of Tennessee or Jonathan Mingo out of 
of Ole Miss that yeah. you might be able to get later that um, you know don't have the uh, body catching issues. Uh, maybe they don't have the elite after the catch ability that Quinn Johnson does, uh, but uh, they would fit that role that the Giants need. So I might just go a different direction than wide receiver uh, rather than invest a first round pick in Quinn Johnson. I mean, I like him. I think he's up there, but I just have questions with how he plays stylistically. Good, and I, I, it backs up what I've been seeing because everybody's been, there have been a lot of Giants fans who have pushed Johnston. Why are you not c- including Johnston in those guys? And I just think, you know, look, maybe maybe Joe Shane, Giants general manager, uh, is blowing a little smoke by talking about the importance of separation and yards after catch and being able to play multiple spots in this offense. Uh, but I, I see that from the other guys. I don't necessarily see that from Johnston in terms of value. Now, he can grow into that and develop into that, but I'm kind of glad, not that I'm glad, but uh, to hear you say that, it kind of affirms some of the things that uh, I see when I've watched limited film or video or, or what have you, highlight packages of what Johnson has. Before you, before I go to maybe a couple surprise players in that back end of the first round for value, uh, you mentioned Mingo from Ole Miss. Uh, I, when I did my mock draft, I had him or Marvin Mims from Oklahoma as one of the guys that the Giants would take at receiver if they went corner or another position in the first round. I went Mims over Mingo. It was close. What do you see from those guys? And is does it come back to to fit in terms of what the Giants might want in this offense? Yeah, if, if they're really looking for fit and what they definitely need and what they don't have, it would be Jonathan Mingo. But yeah. uh, some of the the buzz about him uh, being kind of this late riser, uh, a lot of buzz leaking that he might be an earlier pick than we thought. Anyway, um, I'm not for taking Mingo in, you know, round two. Um, so if he is there in round three for you guys, I like that value. But Marvin Mims, I'm way higher on, just personally. Uh, he might not be the fit type play, but he's the overall uh, more proven uh, dominant wide receiver. Uh, dating back to his high school days, he finished his final senior season with 2,600 receiving yards in, in his in oh. one year, which was a national record at the time, by the way. Oh. And then he, you know, showed up to college and, and dominated as a true freshman for Oklahoma. Uh, sophomore year was up and down because they were switching quarterbacks, and right. uh, we're okay, you know, as a deep threat. It's really the only successful deep threat option that they had that year. But he lost his quarterback after his sophomore year, and somehow had his best season ever uh, this year, uh, this past year, going up for over 1,100 yards with a brand new quarterback, brand new offense, brand new everything. So I think he plugs in anywhere, and he's immediately perhaps the best uh, playmaker on the team. Like, I, I'm very high on, on Marvin Mims. He should be in the top five or six wide receiver conversation for sure. So, Does Mims have – I'm sorry, does Mims have in your eyes that, that inside-outside versatility where he can, you know, run the entire route tree or is he strictly, a you know, a oh, guy yeah. who does his work inside? Yeah, I think he can play anywhere. And he's got next-level athleticism too that was verified this year at the Combine. Like, that showed up on tape. That showed up throughout his entire career as being a guy who's been pushed vertically. Uh, and I think he can be a slot, he can be an outside, he can be whatever, uh, X, Y, or Z. So uh, whatever they need him to be, I think Marvin Mims can succeed. So uh, if you're going to take a wide receiver in the you know second, third round range, uh, Mims would be that target. And for me, uh, we're not hearing a ton of buzz right now on Mims, and I think that's because a lot of teams don't want that buzz leaking. I think that's a great point. there's going to be uh, a lot of teams wanting that versatility and 
that uh, next level skill set that he has. I think that's a great point. A lot of people are slow, slow playing some of these guys, and you kind of wonder why they haven't been talked up enough. Uh, I want to hit you with two guys as potential uh, sleeper picks for the Giants at 25, depending on how the board breaks. Like you said, if their top receivers are off the board and the corners, the top four corners go before 25 and they don't make an aggressive move up, I want to hit you with two names. One, and from big schools, and we all know them, uh, Clemson's Miles Murphy. Where do you see him falling in, in the first round? And is he a guy that at that point, sitting at 25, uh, with what the Giants want to do defensively, is he a guy that you just look at the value and probably where he's graded and say, you know what, we feel good about this guy. We can we can get wide receiver and corner in the next two rounds on day two. Yeah, he's somebody, and it's funny because he's one of those like 19 players that throughout the past month has been consistently mocked. Uh, like in 95% or more of the first rounds. Uh, so that's, that's very rare. <laughs> for, uh, yeah. So I, I would say that there's a good chance he's not there at 25, but if he falls, I think that based on the upside alone, he should be that guy to go. Um, uh, there are two really good uh, defensive linemen or edge players uh, for Clemson in this class. Brian Brzee's yeah. more you know, inside guy, bigger body. Uh, but Miles Murphy, they both were top-tier pedigree guys coming in, uh, played in Clemson's defense and were – Dominant in, in stints. Uh, Miles Murphy's way more proven, in my, my opinion, but I, I definitely like him off the edge and would be a no brainer for me if he fell to 25 for sure. He, I mean, he's not like the, the 17 sack guy like Will Anderson was two years ago. Right. But, you know, about a half, half dozen or more sacks a year, just steady Eddie dependent, and he's got the up, upside with athleticism. So, uh, I definitely like him a lot. I mean, you put Murphy in a group with not only with the improved defensive line that the Giants have with, you know, Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams here on potentially a final year. They just signed Ashawn Robinson. They brought Nacho in from Tampa. And then you look at the edge group uh, headlined by Kayvon Thibodeau and Aziz Ojolari. That, that all of a sudden is a defensive front that – you know, can impose its will at times on, on teams. So I, I like Murphy uh, as one of those sleepers. Another guy I wanted to ask you about is Brian Branch from Alabama. Uh, do you see him as strictly just a safety, or is he somebody who can really be a weapon all over the field? And to me, if that's the case, he then comes into the conversation, I think, at the end of the first round based on value and how he'll be deployed by specific teams. You know, some teams may view him only as a safety. And at that point, you can argue the value for the position. In my mind, with Wink Martindale and the way they like to do things defensively, I envision Branch as a guy who, you know, can be in the, in, be in a nickel spot, can play safety, play deep and really make things happen blitzing. Uh, where does Branch fall in your rankings, and what do you think about that idea that if if he's sitting there at 25 and all the guys that we've already discussed are off the board, is he a guy who you can get value out of uh, in that spot? I, I like Branch quite a bit. and he uh, 22 years ago, uh, he was not even supposed to be the best defensive back coming out of Alabama in this class. Like, uh, people were higher on Jordan Battle, uh, some people were even higher still on uh, DeMarco Hellams, and that's not, it's no longer the case at this point, especially after he got torched nonstop in that Tennessee game. Yeah. But Branch was, uh, he was kind of this, this tweener, this, this player that, this player that could be a slot, he could play safety, he wasn't, you know, big enough to be like a Cam Chancellor safety, 
and he wasn't fast enough necessarily to be a pure outside corner, but he, he just did, did, did everything well. Uh, and this past year, he just developed, took his game to another level, and showed that he could do everything. He could rush the passer. He could be a solid, trustworthy run defender. He could be a spot if you want it. He could be a safety. So for me, uh, he might be an even better play uh, just as a do-it-all weapon uh, than a Deontay Banks. So if you can't get Deontay Banks as more of a prototypical corner option, Ryan Branch might be even better. So as to me, he just he proved he could, he could do everything this year. I mean, he had what, like almost 15 tackles for loss. I think he had uh, you know, a few sacks. He had some picks. I mean, he, he did literally everything that you want a safety to do when he lined up all over the place. Uh, did a lot of the work from the slot, close to the line of scrimmage. So, yeah, I mean, maybe he's not, you know, your, your center fielder. I wouldn't trust him in, in that kind of role, but uh, safety. But I, I definitely like his, his ability. Awesome. Well, listen, uh, Travis May, lead college football analyst from Mojo. It's been great. Uh, I know your pre-draft, uh, the pre-draft circuit the last couple of weeks have been crazy. So I hope you uh, get into Thursday night and start. Uh, you're allowed to enjoy yourself a little bit and see all your work kind of play out uh, on all, you know all the shows that you've done. And like I said, I do appreciate your analysis and your thoughts and. It's been fun. It was great. Uh, I think you gave uh, Giants fans and listeners of the show uh, a good picture of what's kind of sitting there at 25 and maybe even in the second round. So always appreciate it, and uh, we'll have to do this again soon. Yeah, absolutely. Feel free to reach out anytime. I always love talking uh, draft, and uh, all my Mojo buddies are you know, Giants or Jets, you know, something up here, fans. So <laughs> <laughs> I myself, uh, I'm, I'm from Tennessee, so sadly I'm, I'm a Titans fan, but. Uh, Hopefully they'll eventually be good, but appreciate you having me on. I'm always happy to talk to you. Hey, big Tennessee, big Tennessee news this morning, right? New stadiums coming. They they approved it, I guess. Hey, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll have something to be excited about. It won't be the play on the field, but hey, it's something. But hey, you know what? You can't trade that city. <laughs> I know we got the big city up here, but uh, whatever you want to call it, Nash Vegas, Smashville, whatever it is, it's uh, always a good time heading down there. So I do appreciate. Uh, Appreciate the Nashville ties as well. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks again, Art. Uh, you take care and enjoy the draft. All right, Travis. Thanks a lot. And that, of course, is Travis May from Mojo. Wanted to give you something different. I think he brings good perspective in terms of the players that are kind of in the mix. I, I really, and it, it's a different opinion. You know, you could listen to the same opinions over and over again. You know, and and I love. You know, I gave you the. You know, the opinions that you hear often and the familiar voice of Peter Schrager on Tuesday, which was awesome. And, you know, Schrager always has a place on this show. Uh, and I figured, let me give you a little something different uh, with Travis here. And I think he laid it out for you. I think, you you know, there's this fear that uh, the, cor- the top four corners and the top three wide receivers are off the board. What do the Giants do in that spot? I think he gave you a good feel for Miles Murphy and especially Brian Branch. And then in the second round, he was very high on Mims, uh, much higher than uh, Mingo, who he said may even slide to the third round. So there's a lot of hype on Mingo coming into the the home stretch here for the draft. Uh, So we'll wait and see. Uh, That'll do it for today's show. Uh, I appreciate, uh, you know, thanks to Travis May for hopping on again. Thursday night, 7 o'clock, 
live from the Coaches Club at MetLife Stadium, the Giants draft party, all-ins going on the road. Well, right at the top, I should have John Schmelk with me, host of the Giants Huddle Podcast, all of the Giants content on Giants.com. John has a hand in. Uh, he's got a great read on the draft. We'll dive in and get set the scene for you, what the latest we're hearing on the Giants and what he likes, what I like, and then we'll have Sam Prince. A year ago, Sam Prince was the star of the NFL draft on the big stage in Las Vegas, announcing the Giants' pick of Kayvon Thibodeau. He went viral. He and Thibodeau formed a great relationship. Uh, Sam will be in attendance tomorrow. I'm hoping to bring him on the show, and we will answer your questions. We'll have fans in attendance, hopefully giving us questions about the draft. And then if we have time, I will take some questions off of Twitter, at Art underscore Stapleton. No blue check anymore. Thank you very much. Uh, But that's where we're at. So appreciate you tuning in. As always, we will stay all in. And if you don't have a chance to watch tomorrow, it will be turned into a podcast uh, audio-wise on all your favorite platforms uh, as soon as we can tomorrow night. Before the Giants pick, they will likely pick in the 11 o'clock hour uh, if they stay at 25. And then we'll have coverage all weekend long on NorthJersey.com and across the USA Today network. We'll have draft grades on Saturday. We'll have a running draft tracker with analysis. We'll have three things to know on all the prospects over the first two days. We got it all for you at NorthJersey.com. Don't forget to subscribe if you can. If you listen in a coverage area of a Gannett property like Low Hud or My Central Jersey or Asbury Park Press or NorthJersey.com or somewhere in the country, if you subscribe digitally, you get that coverage news-wise on the, in addition to all of our sports coverage and my Giants coverage. So make sure you check that out. I believe they're running a special $1 for six months for new subscribers. Please, we need you to stay all in. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you tomorrow night from MetLife Stadium and the Coaches Club. going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.